Next Chapter Podcast. I think the only way to start this episode is with the song that Cheap Trick wrote to start their album. They literally wrote this song to open shows with. That's incredible. It's an incredible song. Love everything about it. Hello There by Cheap Trick off their 1977 album, In Color. It's also number 443 out of 500 on the Spotify original, The 500 with me. What's up, Kate Dougals? You guys having a good whizzy? Everybody getting down to the sounds of Cheap Trick. Thank you. For joining me on the only podcastical journey through Rolling Stone Magazine's top 500 albums list, we are working our way down. We're at 443, man. A lot of you didn't think we'd get this far. You know what? You know what I say to you? You're probably right. Spotify came in, swooped it up. Now we got to do it. But I love doing it, and I love all my Kadoogles. I love you, Fleece Army. You guys are Kadoogles and your Fleece Army. So just so everybody knows, Dougal means good. Spoogle means bad. You're going to start hearing that a lot now because now I'm shining. I'm letting my vocabulary, my Angelo vocabulary, take over. What I mean by that is Angelo used all these like funny words. I always remember a time we were doing a show at this place called Stove Piper out in Van Nuys. It's a real shite hole. And uh, it was Halloween time and this bar was so crappy that they had like literally for decorations, they had like shitty cobwebs. And then they also had this like ghost on the wall and there was like five drunk people not even paying attention at the show and Angelo was on stage and he said a joke and it didn't get a laugh and then he just looks at the ghost and goes look at that spoogly googly ghost and I was like that's the fucking most adorable thing a human has ever done so guess what that's how we talk now right Kadoogles? also Kadoogly spooglies do the Instagram stories Show me that you listen to this podcast by taking a screenshot of how you are listening to the 500, and then you put that on Instagram stories. That's right, Fleece Army. Keep them coming. Take a screenshot of how you're listening to the 500 and tag me at Josh Adam Myers. Put a hashtag, Fleece Army. Oh, yeah, we don't forget, we got the at the 500 podcast on Instagram. You can put it on your Twitter, too, or your Facebook. Just put them on all of them. But I would appreciate that, guys. All right, let's dive into this record because... Ooh, man, this one was ka-chunky. Released in September of 1977 and produced by Tom Werman, this is the second album by Rockford, Illinois' hard rock power pop band, Cheap Trick. Now, Cheap Trick is Rob Zander on vocals and rhythm guitar. Rick Nielsen, you know, the really crazy dressing guy, he's the band's primary songwriter, and he plays lead. Then you got Tom Peterson on bass, and then you ready for the greatest name of all time, Bun E. Carlos. B-U-N space E dot Carlos. That dude played drums. He also had awesome parents. Probably doing a bunch of mescaline and they were like, let's fucking call him Bunny. (laughs) That's fucking dope. All right, so here's their story, guys. Rick and Tom merged their high school bands to become Fuse in 1967 and they made one single before getting signed to Epic Records. Now, the Fuse record came out in 1970, but Rick and Tom hated it, so they left the band to go hang out in the UK. They came back and joined half of Tom Rundgren's previous band, the Naz, after he and his bass player left. 
After performing around the Midwest using either the Naz or the Fuse names, they got Bunny Carlos, the former Brad Carlson on drums, moved to Philadelphia and evolved into Sick Man of Europe. After a tour in Europe in 1973, the band came back and became Cheap Trick, but with a different singer before adding the singer of Bunny Carlos' old band, Rob Zander, in 74. Similarly to Kiss, who they opened for in the early days, Cheap Trick established distinct characters for each player. Rick Nielsen with his sweaters, bow ties, turned up baseball hats, and checkerboard guitars was the clown. Bunny Carlos with the mustache, sunglasses, ever-present cigarette dangling, spangling, and shirt and tie was an exotic mystery. And Tom Peterson and Rob Zander, they were like the male pop idol versions of Betty and Veronica. That combination played for a couple years and made a demo before getting signed again to Epic Records by A&R man Tom Worman in 76. And then in 77, after their self-titled first album, which emphasized the harder rock aspect of the band didn't sell well or even get on the top 200 charts, the plan was to make a more polished and melodic record. Like most of their debut, Rick Nielsen would write all of the dark, twisted, Beatles songs with help from Tom on two of them. Now... In Color's producer was their A&R man, Tom Worman, who had signed them to Epic Records, so he was aware of their talent, but he felt that their inherent pop sensibilities on the first record got buried under loud guitars. He believed that the band could be a top 40 chart-friendly as the Beatles, if they even sounded softer and maybe a little bit more kachunka. And he was sort of right, but not yet. At only about 30 minutes long and chock full of hooks, In Color was released seven months after their debut, and even though the band expressed some unhappiness with this less powerful production, it went to number 73 on the charts. In America, it paved the way for their next Tom Worman-produced album, Heaven Tonight, which merged the hard rock and polished pop sounds of the previous two albums to even bigger success. However, In Color absolutely exploded in Japan, where it made them superstars. That's fucking dope. While on tour there in 78, the band recorded two nights at Tokyo's Budokan Arena for a Japanese-only album, but after selling 30,000 copies of the import in America, it was domestically released. Half of In Color was included on Live at Budokan, including the live version of I Want You to Want Me, which is one of their most popular songs and the one that every single person listening to this podcast knows. And they also know one thing. The new version on this... We gonna be doing some talking about it. The one that we didn't know, the studio version? We talking about that shit in depth. Now, over the course of over 45 years, they've had a few different bass players because Tom Peterson left and then returned, and after periodically filling in for Bunny Carlos during his back surgery and recuperation in 2001, Rick Sung Dax Nielsen became Cheap Trick's de facto drummer in 2010, although Carlos is still a quarter member of the corporation. The band has sold over 20 million albums. Wow. And played over 5,000 shows. And they've had many resurgences in popularity during their career, including being inducted into the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame in 2016. And even today, they're still going strong. But it really all started with this album. And my guest today never heard of this record until I asked her to listen to it. The one and only the incredible, the confedible Annie Letterman. 
You guys know Annie Letterman from MTV's Girl Code at Midnight. She did Adam Divide's House Party. She wrote and produced Showtime's Who is America with Sasha Baron Cohen. She's also got an incredible podcast called Mean Inspiration, which you can find on all platforms, especially Spotify. But the one thing I love about Annie more than anything is that this chick is 100 all the time. I've never seen her act any different than Annie. And that was why I wanted to have her on. Through listening to this record, I was like, I need somebody with some stories. And Annie's the one, and I had a blast making it. Rate, review, and most importantly, subscribe to The 500 and listen free on Spotify. Are you listening on Spotify right now? If you're not, switch over to Spotify and listen to it. I love them. You can also listen on other platforms. But oh, God damn it, you listen on Spotify. Don't make me ka-chunk of you. Follow me at Josh Adam Myers on all social media. Email the podcast at 500podcast at gmail.com. And for all things 500, go to our website, the500podcast.com. Well, guys, nothing left to say, but here we go with number 443 out of 500. We're in color by Cheap Trick. I wish people could see what how, how little, excited I got. He had little arms, like little T-Rex <laughs> arms, and he, was, he did like a little dance. Congratulations, uh, you finally be, got me. I couldn't be more excited. Uh, all right, so so I asked you to do this because I wanted us to sit down and talk to you, but you don't have like an extensive history with the band Cheap Trick. No, I, my extensive history is uh, that I listened to it because you told me to, but... <laughs> Um, I love it's it's cool. They're cool. They're like um, it's like uh, it's like gay metal or like I don't know what you would say. It's like it's like romance. It, honestly, the two there's two guys in it. Or no, there's there's thing? four. There's, there's a there's picture. One of the album covers looks like the boy Indigo Girls. It looks like the Indigo Boys. Yes, and I think they had the same sentiment. So <laughs> so the band uh, because I remembered their names. You got Rick Nielsen. You got, what's his name? Tom Peterson. <laughs> you got, who's the other dude? Oh, shit. Robin Zandar. And then, best name in the world, Bun E. Carlos. Ooh. I ain't never forgetting What's Bun the e. ans? The E stand for Easter? <laughs> um, uh, yeah, so dude. Bunny. That's actually, you guys, that was Bun a really good Easter. riff and nobody laughed. <laughs> All right, so you said you said you do have some sort of a history with Cheap Trick. The only I just remember the "I Want You to Want Me" song because it was in the Last American Virgin, and I so I used to the movie. I used to go hang out at Blockbuster, and I would just as we do. And I loved movies that were like about fucking because I was like just really like a young horny kid. And I you really I was well, you know, you get molested and <laughs> being quite hypersexualized. You just can't help it. I was hot. I was sought after at a very young age. I couldn't help it. I really rocked a diaper. And, uh, you know, I did a lot for a Klondike bar. And now here we are. But I would go. I wanted to watch like I was just, you know, at that age, I was about like tw- 13 probably. And I was just like so horny. So I wanted anything that was like sexual. So then I would go to Blockbuster and they had these books where you could look up. I loved 80s movies, so it was cuz I knew there was going to be like kissing and stuff. Yeah. And so I found The Last American Virgin and I liked the soundtrack and stuff. But do you remember that movie? It was I like don't. it was this kid who he like was in love with this the hot girl, but he was a dork and he was the only one that was still virgin and she got knocked up by someone else. I'm I really could be wrong cuz I haven't seen it since I was 13, but and then he takes her to get an abortion. But I was like this is juicy. I was this like shit is heavy. Him. But so 
But to make it heavier, I had gone to, I got in a car accident and we went to, we got with a drunk driver and we got a settlement. I was literally training for the Junior Olympics and then started smoking cigarettes. In what? Swimming. Really? Yeah, I just started a swim team that was gonna. I was gonna start training for the junior. You Olympics. do got some strong arms. I got. I, can I have. See that. I have childbearing shoulders. You got some lats, dude. And he's got some lats, dude. I'm a fucking athlete. This guy that I went on a date with was like, "You're an athlete." I was like, "Ooh," and I was getting all flattered, and then I realized I think that just means you don't have tits. I always <laughs> wanted to fuck a CrossFit girl because I want to come on her traps. Well, I've watched some porn of CrossFit girls. It's fun. Really? Well, it's not. They're not. They're so. Con, they're so controlled. It's not like it, I just randomly stumbled upon it, but I was like, I'll watch. But it is. It's a little too controlled. You know, yeah. they're a little too. Everything's a little too tight i like a little jiggle i like a little cellulite on a woman yeah i like a little realness women are, like, women are all when you beautiful. know that her pussy smells a little bit you're like you want it to smell a little you don't want it to smell like the soap in the bathroom you know but anyway <laughs> oh, so, so yeah it's back to the like a little realness but anyway so okay so the archer instructor at club met we we got in the car accident was with a drunk driver we got a settlement i had to lie in court and say that i was going to spend it on books in college and then we just went to club med we took my family to Club Med, my mom was in the car accident too. So then we go to Club Med. I have the, I'm 13. There's a 26 year old archery instructor, this Mexican guy whose name was Alex. And he was like kind of cute, but it was weird. He was a grown up, you know? And he ended up like tricking me to go into his room. And he was like playing Journey and like making open arms. So that song was like weird to me too. But sure. he, so he, weird to everybody. Right. But so he was like playing. He was like making, he was like massaging me and then he wouldn't let me leave until I made out with him. He like, you know, like, you know, mildly molested me. And then I ended up getting him fired. I like freaked out. I went to like, I went down, he would do, be teaching archery. And I'd be like, you're a pedophile, like screaming at him. Yeah. I was always the wrong girl. I'm like, I can't believe everyone always molests me. I will take you down. You're I'm just taking dudes down. That's not, that's not an insult. No, you're, I no. it's funny because when you get molested, you, it makes you feel ugly. And then now I'm like, as a grown up, I'm like, oh my God, I've literally been the hottest. I was born so hot. I was born breech too. I have a twin brother and I kicked him out. Yeah. And I always think like the, the doctor probably like, I've been molested so many times the doctor probably fingered me out he probably like, <laughs> he's like just he's and like, then reach it's, up that's like tickle. A, it's like a to durkin because i was still inside my mom you yeah know? he's like I, fingering both of us at once anyway so then yeah so this guy uh he did that and it was like you know uh a traumatizing experience for me but um i went back uh to the suburbs of philadelphia where i'm from and i was like kind of obsessed with this guy because it was like such a weird it was just a weird experience and so he looked like the guy in the last american virgin so I was like, would watch that. And then I would like listen to Journey and I didn't like it. But it was just like a weird, being molested is weird. But, um, <laughs> so I've heard. But yeah. it was very, but so I like, when I hear that song. I want you I, to want me. I think about being, being forced to make out with a, a near 30 year old man. So then you're not the biggest fan of Cheap Trick. Uh, now I, I am. Want, I want you to want me. So what did you think when I had you listen to this record? Well, I was just like, I, I'm, I'm down to learn new music. I, I was excited, but I had no clue. I thought they were going to be like a heavy metal, crazy, like rock. I didn't know it was going to be like, like Say pretty it. much like girl, I'm outside your house <laughs> still. Yeah. It's, it's like, it, I feel like every song they wrote, the girl they wrote it for would never, ever listen to it. Like the girls are like, you're emotionally available. It's disgusting. Like get yeah, away. It's like, it's I like, want a guy that ignores me. Yeah, why, it's why like, are you giving me so much attention? It's I want just, you to want me. I want you to stop calling me. Yeah, I know. It's that like that is what's the creepy. What was the one about flames? What's the lyrics in the flames one? There's something where it's like, I'll give you everything you want or something. It's like, how about some space, bitch?
So this is what our record is. Our album is number 443 out of 500. It's the second studio album, In Color by Cheap Trick, released in September 1977, produced by Tom Werman. Now, I, much like you, only knew a couple songs by them. Yeah. I knew uh, I Want You to Want Me, right. uh, the Budokan version. I knew uh, Surrender, you know, your mom is yeah. all right. Yeah, I know that too. That's the most, that's the creepiest one. Did you ever listen to the lyrics? I never really listened to the lyrics no, before. No, I did I just know it's about like, I think it's about a family. Because because when, this is how I really know the song. And I've, I've actually uh, performed with Rick Nielsen from this band. Because when Natasha Leggero did the hour goddamn comedy jam mm-hmm. special on Comedy Central, watch it on the app if you got it. If you got a passcode, uh, <laughs> which is hard to get. Also watch Jessica Kirsten's <laughs> yeah. thing. Yeah, watch Jessica watch Dan Soders but but uh, we had the hour special and she sang Surrender with Rick Nielsen oh, playing cool. guitar and he was the nicest guy and the song rips but I was expecting a lot of fun music and to be honest with you when I got this record I, I really did find this to it's be a, it's like it's cotton real, candy or something it's, it's so really, fun it's, it's fun like rock pop yeah. You know, I loved I loved the way they opened the album. I love the way they finished the album. I love that it there's there's some ballads. I love that, you know, the guitar playing is incredible. I love that the guy's singing is incredible. Like everything about this record was was a perfect like this this over the holidays when I was really digging into it, I was like, Oh my god, this is like this is like it's the perfect really perfect driving music. It's really fun. Well but, it feels like it's mixing all these genres too. Like it just feels like it feels like a lot of different things. No, I, I completely agree with you. Hey you. Did you have any plans this year? <laughs> How's that going? Do you get 2020? Well, welcome to a brand new podcast called 2020, where myself, Benny Goodman, and my good friends, Corey Pazin and Siobhan Cronin from the band Lost Symphony also got 2020. And since the world ended this year, we decided why not just check in with some of our friends in the music industry and see how everyone's doing. We're going to get a candid look at life on and off the stage, as well as the mindset of some of the most successful people in the entertainment industry. New episodes drop every Sunday and Wednesday at 9 p.m. Eastern. And you can listen at 2020-D.com, SoundTalentMedia.com, or on your favorite podcast app. This is Krista Makes, guitarist and vocalist for Less Than Jake, and host of Krista Makes a Podcast, a songwriting podcast where every week I'm joined by an amazing guest to break down the writing, recording, and release of one iconic song from their career. In our giant evergreen back catalog of episodes, we've had rock legends such as Dee Snyder and Huey Lewis, punk rock favorites like Mark Hoppus, Fat Mike, and Brett Gurowitz, and up-and-coming artists of today, such as Liz Stokes of The Beths and Genesis Owusu. We've had guests from all genres and styles of music, and I guarantee that if you peruse our back catalog, you'll see several episodes that'll make you say, man, I gotta hear that. Whether you're a fan of music or a creator of music yourself, you'll take away a whole new appreciation for the songs you know and love. Chris Makes a Podcast is available for free on all the places you could possibly listen to podcasts. And new episodes come out every Monday. Uh, but it was it was it was definitely a fun little ride. But before we get into this week's episode, let's talk a little bit about Sonos for the holidays. If you're wondering what to get your friends and family for the holidays, or you just want to have that holiday party blowing up kid, the brilliant sound of Sonos is the answer for you. Play all your favorite holiday jams with a new home theater system. I put Sonos into my life about a year and a, a little, little under a year ago, and it's made 
everything better. I have speakers in every room. I've got the subwoofer, so there's that woof. I've got the Sonos Move, which is incredible because you can move the speaker wherever you want, and it sounds better than every other portable speaker on the market. It's insane. The clarity, the bass, I love it. Plus, they've got speech enhancement mode. It's a new, unique feature that clarifies the sound of the human voice. Perfect for when characters whisper on television or if the action intensifies. Turn it on in the Sonos app and never miss a moment of the story. Or play all your favorite holiday jams when the TV is off. And guess what? Sonos works with Spotify and all the other streaming services. And you can also wirelessly connect all your speakers to create your perfect sound system. It's the perfect gift. The gift of crystal clear sound. Go to Sonos.com to complete your holiday shopping. And now, back to the gushplooky. All right, let's dig into the record. Let's just get into let's it. Let's dig in. So it opens up with Hello There. Uh, all I wrote for this was just incredible opener. Peter, uh, play the opening. Hello All right, so what I love about this song is that it starts small. This is, so what we just heard, it starts building and building, and by the end of this song, it's just completely fucking yeah. exploded, and that's why I love it. Now, this short rocker was written for two reasons. It was, as guitarist and songwriter Rick Nielsen described, the perfect welcome to the show intro piece. So, little fact about this. Uh the band often didn't get sound checks before shows earlier in their career, and they didn't want to waste one of their melodic songs while the sound person adjusted the levels. Oh, so they smart. wrote this to open with it. Oh, nice. Which is fucking cool. I love that. That's yeah. great, right? Um, do you have any thoughts on this? Maybe yes, I do, because, okay, I was listening to it, and what struck me was they're screaming compliments. Like, it's very <laughs> nice, that, and it's just... Like you ever, I, I just remembered this time when I was in New York, I was on the subway and I saw these people getting in a fight and it was like the funniest shit. They're yelling at each other. Like they're, they were like, this girl goes, she goes, I hope your train, I hope you miss the next stop and you have to get back on and go the other direction. It was like so funny. Like I hope your pizza burns you a little bit. All right. So what I loved about this song, especially I heard a lot of echoes of Paul McCartney's white album era Beatles song. Uh, like I heard birthday in it. I heard helter skelter, but I love that this is an introduction. So instead of asking you what's the best intro you've ever had with a celebrity, what was the most awkward introduction you've ever had with okay. a celebrity? I was living in Santa Fe. They do a lot of, um, a lot of different movies. They film movies there. There's like a tax break for it. So they film a lot of movies in Santa Fe. I lived there. It was like a dead town. So it's so exciting when a movie comes in and, um, I went on set. It was called the astronaut farmer. Billy Bob Thornton was in it. So he was on craft Star- on the craft services bus, Billy Bob, and I and I went. He came up to me and he goes, "Billy Bob Thornton, international superstar," and shakes my hand. And I go, "I go, okay." <laughs> I go, "I'm Annie or whatever." And he and then he goes, uh, "Do you know any virgins?" You're like Annie, I've been molested five times. <laughs> he goes, he goes, "Do you know any virgins?" And I go, "I do know what." Oh wait, no, he wait before he said the virgin thing. He goes, he goes, "Let me ask you a question." He goes, "Is three inches too small?" And I went, "It depends on which direction you're holding the ruler." Very good line. Very fast. Come on, guys. He goes, give it to me. And then he goes, do you know any virgins? And I go, yeah. And he goes, can I have their number? And I said, absolutely not. And then that was it. Is this, this is astronauts, the astronaut farmer. It was like 2000. This is, is this post? Angelina Jolie. Angelina. Man, he fell off the fucking. He did have a a glow. He was just being like trying to be funny. But um, yeah, I never told that story. But, and then I used to, and Sam Shepard used to always be there. And he, uh, in Santa Fe, he had a house in Pecos, but. 
he was always shooting stuff there and i was a bartender i was a would always bartend for him and um he never he was always like kind of creeping but he never creeped on me and i was always like why isn't he doing it? And he, he thought i was a lesbian because my best friend was like a boy looking lesbian yeah and of course we made out and she fingered me and stuff <laughs> Once, of course, I thought it was boring. I was like, "Can you take them out?" I, I always think she fingered homophobia into me, like she did. I was like, "This is against God." I all of a sudden believe in God. And, and, this is like, and Westboro Baptist Church. Exactly. I'm like, "Get out of me, bitch!" But um, so, uh, so he thought I was a. Le- I didn't. He goes, "Are you gay?" And I went, "No." And then it was, you know, he was cool after that. But he thought I, he just thought I was like some lesbian. And he was make he would make me like wingman for him. So he'd yeah. be like, "Go tell that girl something." It would be like a girl that's so young. I'm like. Uh, did you see the notebook? He was the dad. And I'm like, she's not going to know any of your shit. <laughs> and then, um, so, but we had this long conversation about, I was like, I want to go to move to New York and do comedy. And he's like, comedy's so scary. That's so impressive. He's, and I was like, I just want to live in extraordinary. He's like, you are, you are extraordinary. You're gay. Right. That's when he said it. <laughs> and I was like, no. Um, but then, uh, and we were joke about like, I was going to get shirts that said Sam Shepard thinks I'm gay. Like he was like, I'll get 10%. It was just like, we had like a fun rapport. So then I moved to New York. I start doing stand up. Yeah. I'm working at a uh, restaurant in the um, East Village. He walks by. Sam Shepard walks by and I go, oh my God, Sam, it's me. Like, I did it. Like, I moved to New York. I do comedy. And he goes, <laughs> he goes, let's be a nanny. No, he goes, did this used to be a jazz club? Like, no clue who I was. No interest uh, in figuring out. This- oh, I thought it was funny. I mean, it is funny. It but it's like, so you feel, funny that's that what's way. so funny about it. You feel like you make connections with people and like. But think about it. Yeah. I mean, yeah, I do it all the time because I can't tell you how many times I've gone, hey, uh, Josh, nice to meet you. And they're like. We've met, and right. I'm like, oh, I hate that. It's like that's a and who problem. are you again? I'm the head of Netflix, and you're like, fuck. Yeah, all right. Fuck. Well, it's always annoying when people do that too, because you're like, were you unremarkable? Are you telling me you're an unremarkable person? I mean, because you're not gonna forget me. I mean, Sam Shepard did, but all right. But this song is remarkable, and also, yeah, you see how I did that? No, no, no. It's There's good. gonna be a lot. It's good. Um, so cool for a little fact about this. Rick also wrote a set closing companion piece called "Good Night Now." which is mostly used to end his show. So I love that that Chief Trick does that. All right, so then we go into Big Eyes. Uh, great song. I love the way it flows. Peter, play the chorus. Hey. I love the way that it sounds. I love that it's, it's like so the good, big eyes, ski ba dee ba do ba ski do. I just like big eyes. You can do that with anything. You big got. balls, <laughs> bow legs. <laughs> you keep on walking with your bow legs. I know when they sing it like so much, you're like, it doesn't sound like good big eyes. Like it's too much emphasis on it. You're like thinking of like the bulgy ones. You know? Fibromyalgia. <laughs> My mama's got fibromyalgia. <laughs> yeah, like her eyes are like like. <laughs> She's got huge eyes, dude. Rick is a huge Beatles dude, and now I'm starting to hear it in all the songs because this intro to the song kind of suspiciously sounds like I Want You off of Abbey Road. Best part of the song, though, uh, and we got to play a little bit of it. Uh, I love it when it drops out and it's just the bass and the drums. Uh, Peter, play that part. I think it's like 158. Fucking love a good dropout. Uh, but great song, man. Uh, I like that so, one, some yeah. cool facts about this. Uh, there are a few references to the zombies. 65 hits, she's not there at the end of the first verse. Now, the meaning of this song is that this is a love hate song about falling for somebody that you know isn't good for you. Oh, everyone? 
I mean, <laughs> every single time you ain't lying. Yeah. Speaking of knowing something is not good for you, you have been very open about your relationship with alcohol and drugs. When did you first realize it was an issue? <laughs> You're so funny. I like when you get all professional. You like that? Um, I'm going to relapse because <laughs> you're being so weird. You got so weird. No, um, I realized it was a problem pretty early on. I mean, I was I started drinking when I was 12, okay. 13. Then I quit drinking the first time when I was 16. And then when I went to college, I didn't drink for one year. And then I just got fucking blacked out. that girl. Yeah, and it was like... It w- they called me Fun Girl Annie, which I realized in retrospect was an insult. Oh, I can see that because you're so you have such a big personality, yeah. and I mean that in a good way. Mm-hmm. Like you are, you are fearless. You're fearless on stage. You're fearless when you talk to people. I've seen you doing like panel stuff, and you're fucking on, and you're great. But I could not imagine you with Jaeger. I was just, oh. I was filled with to the brim with Jaeger and jizz my entire fucking like <laughs> I was just crazy. It was just it was insane. And I used to um, I had a motor scooter. Uh, a Yamaha Zuma when I lived in Santa Fe and I was a bartender and a go-go dancer and a wait and I was like a one I was an innkeeper there was one point in my life where I was bar I was go-go dancing and I was a nanny so it was like I would show up with the kids like my knees would hurt from fucking wearing these stupid knee-high boots and shit and then yeah. I'd have glitter and like fake eyelashes all over my face it was just so weird but um very fun but I had this uh motor scooter and I crashed it blackout drunk it was my friend's 30th birthday my friend Albert, who had dreads, unacceptable. What's up, Albert? Oh, he had dreads? Yeah, he was Hispanic. <laughs> Don't even with talk dreads, to me, Albert. Oh, he's white or is he Spanish? No, he's white and Spanish. But so anyway, so we, okay, so it was I his birthday. So my move is it's your birthday, buy me shots. You know, I was like, oh, it's your birthday, buy me some shots. So then Albert and I had had, we would like make out at parties and stuff. And so then I was just like, I'm going to give you a birthday blowjob. Let's go. And neither of us had a house. So we're going to go to my friend Daniel's house. So then I get go to get on my scooter and he's like, everyone's like, you can't drive. Like the whole bar was an outside bar. Everyone was like watching me get on. Everyone's like, no. And I just went beep, beep, bitches. Fuck you. And I peeled out. And then like two blocks away, I just fucking crashed so Faced. hard. Uh. I just, my, I ate gravel, dude. I had almost lost a nipple. I had, I had uh, road burn all over my tits, like uh, all over my arms, my legs. I, my chin was split open. I had to get all these stitches. Like I fucked myself up so bad. And I already had a cut on my head from falling off my scooter earlier that week. Cause I was just, I loved drunk driving my scooter to this day. My happy place yeah. went through my hair, gravel through my tits. It's, I mean, I, I, I it, it was the most fun. And I, I never had a helmet cause it's not as fun with a helmet. Yeah. And you know, uh. you just want to die. Like you, a lot there, of the addiction a, is like it's well, like I kind of want to die. There is a this there is a there's a feeling that we have from about 19 to I'd say about 22 is this invincibility, just complete invincibility. Where I took I was talking to Sickler the other day about the drugs I mixed, and I was like, so I was on uh, Molly and ketamine, and he's like, how why would you do that? I was like, Sounds dude, so I, I did I did I Molly Coke <laughs> and bad. ketamine one night. And it's like you Special just case so fun. It's it's I mean, I haven't done it in fucking I've done almost, it very recently. Really? It's coming back. Do you do you feel like it's curing your I, it helped me with um it depression? helped me with um PTSD. Did it? Mm-hmm. I'm doing that a lot with mushrooms right now. But I mean, ayahuasca has handled everything for me now. Really? Mm-hmm. But so that was the moment. So you well, crashed. I, that well, last I crashed. Time? I woke up. I was like, "Fuck!" I couldn't remember where my scooter was. I was in my friend's house. I was staying at. I was like, just bleeding. Like, it looked like someone had slit my throat from behind. I was like, "Holy shit!" And then, um, so I went to the hospital. I got all these stitches. And then um, later that night, I went out again to drink. And there was this guy with a puppy, and I was like, with oh all the, with the shit yeah, all yeah, fucked yeah, up, yeah. with the road rash titties. Yeah. I was like, well, I thought it was funny. I'll show you a picture. I was like, ah, this is hilarious. I, I was like out of control. 
And uh, so I went to, um, I went out to this bar. I saw this guy with a puppy. I was playing with his puppy. I'm like, oh, your puppy's sick. And he goes, you don't remember me? And I go, no. And he goes, I helped you when you crashed. He's like, he said, I pulled the scooter to the side and I helped you. Uh, this other girl drove by and helped me. And he's like, I just wanted to make sure because if we called the cops, you would have gone to jail. So he's like, you know, I ride a motor, uh, motorcycle, so I understand. So, um, yeah, it was fucked up. But so that was when I was like, all right. And I had called my whole family when I was blacked out and was like, I need to go to rehab. Like, help me. And then in the morning, I'd be like, disregard. I was in a blackout. <laughs> just kidding. <laughs> but then when I moved to New York and I started to, after my first open mic, I quit drinking because I was like, I'm not going to be able. I went home with this really unfunny comedian. I woke up on his air mattress fully clothed, hadn't fucked him. But I was just like, I knew I couldn't. I wanted to do this as my job always. Yeah. So once I finally did it, I was like, I can't be fucking comics. I can't be like. I got to like just go in. I was like, I'm not gonna be able to drink and do this. So I um, I quit drinking after that. All right. Next song is Downed. Uh, so to me, the guitar intro kind of sounds similar to uh, Gimme Shelter by the Rolling Stones. And then it kicks into what I like to call a power pop masterpiece. Peter, play that motherfucker. I'm Get him in. Lyrically, uh, this song is supposed to be interpreted to be a suicide note due to some of the cryptic imagery and the actual mention of suicide. But then a lot of people, uh, and a lot of people like me and Morty, think the song is about barbiturates because, mm. you know, they're known as downers. The song's called Downed. Uh, Rick Nielsen was said that the part about moving to Australia actually happened to him before Treat Trick. According to Nielsen, he attempted to emigrate there because it seemed like a land of opportunity, but because they wouldn't let his dog in due to rules about like importing live animals and shit, he had to stay in America. Uh, so, Put that was, Vegemite on your dick. Get ooh, that dog to lick it off. You are dirty, girl. I'll get an Alice Springs chicken. Anybody <laughs> else fucking know Outback Steakhouse menu more than I do? Nobody. Bloomin' Onion, that's all we know. So you... Uh, had some seriously rough shit happen to you when you were a teenager and that led to you moving abroad. Yeah. Oh yeah. I went to, I, well, I graduated high school early. It's weird when your teacher jerks off on you. They're like, you're graduated. Um, that happened. Yeah. 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 But I had to go to court and take my teeth. Like I had, it was a whole thing, but my school wasn't a real school anyway. They didn't really teach us anything. So you just had to do like a certain amount of senior papers. There weren't grades. It was, a, there were pillows instead of chairs. It was pretty much they're like, send your children here. We're going to fuck them. Uh, and I found out so many things like just a, just people, teachers have been fucking the students since the seventies. But so after that I graduated, I was like, I wanted to do something. So I didn't want to go right to college. I was too young. So I did, um, a year or I guess it was only three months, but I went to Guatemala, Belize, Costa Rica and Honduras. And we did in Guatemala, we taught English to, to kids. Yeah. To little munchkins I learned very little Spanish um, I still only know Kitchen Spanish I only know how to say Like chupame la verga No tango pinocha Solamente la verga I have no pussy I only have a dick And then I go Mira mira And I do like the side pipe thing Where you squeeze your thigh Yeah I got a whole bit I do a whole thing yeah, I like it And uh but so you know, teach the kids that this means suck your dick but how, but how did But how did all of that Shift your perspective From from getting away from America um, I think it was just very, it was like, it was just interesting to see how people live and how they can live with so much less and be like way happier. Yeah. And it was very interesting, but I remember seeing no, cause I ended up being a special ed. I started working at special ed after that. And, um, and I remember thinking back to me like, where are all the kids? Like, cause the, in San Andres, the place I stayed in Guatemala, it was built on a hill. And I was like, if a kid, if someone's born and they're not able to walk or something, how are they getting anywhere? And then I was like, there's no people with special needs 
And then I was like, wait, where are they? And then I was like, I had a whole plan where I was going to figure that out. But I don't know where they are. What did they do with them? Where are they? <laughs> what do you do with them? Guatemala? But then we did uh, Costa Rica, Honduras. And Costa Rica, we did, uh, I did a sea, sea turtle project thing. And we had to catch the sea turtles like eggs because their eggs are a delicacy. So the sea turtles come out of the ocean at night. We had to dress in all black. We had to put a, a red gel over our um, flashlights and sneak around. And so they go into a trance when they come out onto the, to the sand and they dig with their back flipper foot gross thing. They dig a hole and then they just drop these eggs in with their pussy juice. It's so gross. And so I would have to like put a bag underneath and catch these cause they're, they can't, they don't notice anything cause they're trans. So you, so you, I had a whole, and it smelled, and it was gross, and then you would take it to the hatchery, and then you would be on, like, hatchery duty, which is so dangerous because the poachers are, like, guys with machetes and shit, and I'm just, like, a 17-year-old girl yeah. watching these fucking eggs. I'm like, take the fucking eggs. Uh, but anyway, that's why I still use plastic straws because they're so gross. Sea turtles are so disgusting. <laughs> I ate a bad coconut, and I had to deal with their pussy juice smell. It was, like, the grossest thing I've ever done, and they cry this, like, black tar. They're so gross. They're like dinosaurs. They should be extinct. <laughs> sea turtles are uh, very much like uh, the little girl from The Ring. That's what it sounds like. Yes. They actually are a lot like Samara. <laughs> I remember because I went to that movie with my friend named Samara and I couldn't look at her for like oh my God. a year. Hey, everyone. This is Tuck from Fit for a King in Off-Road Minivan. Every week I bring you fun interviews alongside your favorite metalcore entertainers with my new podcast, Get Tucked. Join me every Monday with bands like Counterparts, Crystal Lake, like Moths to Flames, and many more. We play unsigned and undiscovered bands, deep dive into each artist's history, and of course provide the greatest breakdowns in current metalcore. Tune in to Get Tucked every Monday, out now through Sound Talent Media. What's up, everyone? This is Jay Reason, and I want to let you all know that Diablo Zen Podcast is now part of the Sound Talent Media family. Listen in as me and the one and only Danny Diablo, a.k.a. Lord Ezek, interview artists from the hardcore punk, metal, hip-hop scenes, and beyond. We have conversations with guests like actor Peter Green, DJ Muggs from Cypress Hill, L.A. street photographer Estevan Oriel, Jimmy G. from New York City's legendary Murphy's Law, and pro wrestler Vampiro, to name a few. If you're a fan of good discussions and lots of laughs, tune in and join the fun. <laughs> All right, now we come to a song... Uh... I don't even know how to explain it. A lot of people that were listening this week, doing their homework, uh, listening to the record, commented about how bad this version of I Want You to Want Me is. Okay. Um, this is the song that we knew. Yeah. This was it. And like most people, because I was expecting the studio version to be just as rocky, just as fucking awesome, I was shocked at how slow, how fucking campy, and how... Like just campy, poppy. That's what this band is, campy. Yeah, it's like a John Waters movie a yes, little bit, it's but it's fun. like, but but not as not as gross, but just but this song in particular is, I think, when you talk about camp, this is fucking camp because right. everybody knows Cheap Tricks live at Budokan uh, version, which fucking rips, uh, me included. Uh, so when I heard this, I was like, what the fuck is this shit? Peter, play whatever you want of this tragedy because I could give a fuck. Just play a little bit. Oh, this is horrible. I feel like he's like on a fucking horse singing it. I, I was he's like gonna, galloping on a horse. I think it sounds like something from like a Nestle Quick commercial <laughs> like in 1984. You know what I mean? <laughs> I, I just wasn't expecting it. I was expecting a face melter. And then you get this. And I'm just like, dude, like, 
Like, I'm so glad they played it faster and they and they changed it because I Want You to Want Me is an iconic song. Yeah. I mean, that is, people have done it at the goddamn Comedy Jam and the crowd have gone nuts. This is just, this is like, what do you, what do you want to call it? This is, so there's VHS and there's Betamax. This shit's Betamax, 100%. This shit's Spoogle as a motherfucker. All right, so this was the first single from In Color. And was originally demoed for their debut album in the rocking style, but they passed it over. According to producer Tom Worman, it was a burlesque song, like a 30s number. That actually makes sense. Yeah, that does. Because it does have like a very, like, I could see like a girl with feathers kind of like. I I feel like the beginning sounded like uh, country. To me. Yeah, a little bit. I mean, it's 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 in that that kind of like I'll like actually that's funny that you said that because uh they added session guitarist Jay Graydon and keyboardist Jay Winding to add a honky tonk piano mm. feel. And it's got that honky tonk yeah. feel. Now bassist Tom Peterson remembers Rick writing it as a goof on an ABBA song and other stuff that was playing on the radio. <laughs> so this was just a joke song. They weren't expecting this to be like so relatable yeah, everyone so, just desperately wanting someone to like them well lyrically yeah i mean you, you just summed it up lyrically it's it's about wanting uh what wasn't there now um i have a funny question it's like when did you first feel wanted in your career Okay, so not wanted, but I remember when people I admired became my friends. So, like, I remember when Nate Bergazzi, I was in, and we had done, you know, like, yeah, Nate's amazing, and he was in the scene, you know, he was in the scene, and this was, like, you know, years ago when he was just, still just a comics comic, and the world didn't know about him, but I remember we were at UCB East, and we were uh, in the green room, and he was like, he's like, dude, it's happening, he's like, you have a point of view, he's like, I follow you on Instagram, he was just like, I see it, like, all this stuff, and it felt so good, I remember when Kurt Metzger, the first time, he was, um, he was, he was, uh, hosting, um, my Montreal audition, I had a joke, and he was like, oh, that's so fun, like, I remember, I can remember, like, Nick DiPaolo DM'd me once, and was like, where did you come from, you're so funny, like, like, I remember when my heroes, every time my heroes have, like, told me they like a joke. All right, let's move on, so then we get to your all talk, okay song, Peter, play the intro. Starts promising, but then that is the whole song. It's so pathetic. It reminds me of like I had this boyfriend. Like there's two boyfriends I've had that were like this. Though. There's like so like begging you, and like it's just like ew. The guaranteed way to get someone to go is to beg them to, to not beg go. them to stay. Yeah, I. You know what? And not just the lyrics. I didn't even think about that. I didn't even. That's so funny that you brought that up. I was just talking about the guitar riff. That little riff. That that's the whole song. So this was the B-side of Southern Girls, which is coming up in a few songs. When this started, uh, I thought this was going to be a disco song, but then it suddenly became the ZZ Top track. Originally, I thought this was about phone sex, but it also sounds like this could be about a groupie or a hooker. Um, Why are the crazy ones the best in bed? Because we, you know, we've been through a lot. (laughs) Just kidding. (laughs) Um, I think I will say that uh, lack of inhibition, they don't want to, you know, I'm trying to think. I don't think it works for guys. Crazy guys are like their dicks don't work. Yeah. I mean, 
And I don't I, think, I, but it's yeah. yeah so I, I kind of I don't listen. I've never fucked a man, so I don't know. But I mean, I, the, some of the the girls that have had the most emotional problems, like I, I fucked a girl that had borderline personality. It was some of the best sex of my life. I know her. I know who you're talking about. Um, it, it's Everyone just fucked her. Uh, <laughs> really? Yeah. Sorry. I know exactly who you're talking about. Samara, <laughs> the girl from The Ring. Yeah, fuck no, the girl. She's crazy as fuck. Um, she's insane. That girl's definitely bipolar or 100%, something. Yeah. Um. Yeah, I, I think, well, if if you don't have a hold of your emotions, like sex is pretty much just like a like flowing open thing. If you're not like being rigid and scared and afraid of like how you're coming off and you're just being like open, then that's going to be the best sex. Right. Yeah. And if you're like fucking choke me and shit and do all that stuff like. You got to be free and they're free emotionally because they're just so they wild. Have no control they have no control of themselves. Control of themselves. They're so, nuts. so who knows what comes but out. But guys that are mental have mental issues usually are, except my ex was a sex addict, which was great. That was really fun. It's ruined yeah, me. Yeah, because you need it like eight times a day. I didn't know I did. Honestly, because I used to make excuses because I would be like, oh, I was assaulted and I have like, you know, I, I was molested. I was like, so if I just had like an inkling where I didn't want to fuck someone, I would go into this like victim of what happened to me. And I had like, a relationship with a guy who was he was like really sexually pushy which is like i guess rape these days but it was gr- i'm glad he was because it kind of made me realize like i was full of shit and then i was like oh i really like fucking and so we would fuck all the time and then um eventually it became a problem we had to break up but it was like it was great and then now i hook up with these guys in their 40s and they're like they can fuck me like once a week it's a nightmare they're like bring your vibrator i'm like whoa i mean i'll bring my vibrator but you like like i said I'm good for one good one. No way. I'm like, at I, night, one good one. What's I wrong need, with that? Listen, I go until it can't ha- go anymore. Jesus. Jesus Christ, fucking Jenna Jameson. Can it's you so just fun. chill out and let me but, just bust one? One. It's a thick one. Yeah, I guess I'm talking about right. my dick. I'm talking about the 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 kaplooka. I mean, one a day is fine. One a day is fine. One a day is great. Excessive. Dude, it's You don't want to get, like, injuries. No. Dude, yeah, you understand? Like, I, like I hurt myself yesterday, like, like, like reaching for hummus. Yeah. So the fact you think I can really do what I used to do? It's just like upsetting because I think that's what happens. It is like when they're like women hit their sexual peak in their mid. It's like, we like I finally I'm like, oh, I'm hot. Like I didn't realize before I was like, oh, insecure and shit. And now I'm like, fuck. And then all the guy I gotta like hook up with younger guys. But here's what happens too when I hook up with the younger guys now, because since I did Rogan, I've met their their king. So then they get nervous around me. I know they're yeah, you're king. like a duchess of, of elk meat now. They can't. They can't. They're like, <laughs> or am I going to get to meet Rogan? Like, no, <laughs> no, motherfucker. All right, but, okay. If you get some, you get some fresh venison and some sliced uh, that dick jalapenos. But, I, yeah, but I it's you know, I get it. All right. Cheesy song. Let's move on to my favorite song on the record as well. Or as well. I like to call it cheap trick. Saturday night fever. Uh, play the chorus of Oh, Caroline. This is like such fun music. It's fun, yeah. All right, so to me, uh, it sounded like the lyrics were almost from a teenage diary. Mm. Uh, it's about unrealistic, personified idealism mm. of love and the hyperbolic response. That's what this is about. Can and- I just tell you, I'm like in the bath listening to this thinking like, these guys are basic. Like, I'm like, this is such basic. But to realize that they knew they were being basic, like, that is yeah, really fucking I know. cool. And so what they did is they said, "Make Caroline is the perfection to him. And he will go to the end of the world for her. Oh, he's a he's a avoidant. What what's the most ridiculous thing you've ever done for love? 
<sighs> I'm codependent, so like giving up my entire fucking <laughs> career for someone else, like written everyone's joke, like fucking been like, now we're two brains for your career. <laughs> I like will become an agent. That's why I can't date comics anymore. I'm like, Jesus. I like turn into their agent. I'm like <laughs> calling people. But I don't, I'm trying to think the craziest thing I did. I mean, I, I did a lot of like, oh, okay. I was dating this guy in college who I was really into. And um, he was so funny. And he was the first boyfriend where I was like, oh, this is good. And he was like bald and kind of like, I mean, he wasn't ugly or anything, but it was like, I just saw him. Like, he was just so funny. And he had invited me to go meet his family in Tennessee and stuff. Like, it was like, I was like, oh, finally, I have this boyfriend. And then he just cut it off like Christmas Eve right before I was supposed to fly out. And I was so devastated, even though it was only like three months we were dating or whatever. But it was just like that, you know, you've been, in, I've been oh, on yeah. both sides of those. So now I understand it, but I couldn't believe it. I was like, just this delusional, I was probably like 20, you know, and I was like, but we were gonna, you know, I just couldn't understand it. Like, don't you remember? And then, uh, so I did a lot of like drive-bys his house, by his house and stuff. And I remember my friend was working at a hotel that was near his area, his yeah. house. It's Santa Fe, it's a small town. So there was no other place I could be, he saw me and he goes, are you going by Ryan's house? And I went, no. Like he like <laughs> caught me in a drive-by. And then uh, one time after he moved out, I went by the house anyway, like just to remember. I mean, I was so like, it's so, and, and the, they, the door was open. They were like renovating it or something. So I went into the house and I got to like walk around and like go back into the room again. <laughs> Smell the floor. Like I was like, oh, this is where he used to eat me out. I used to, he would eat me out. That was another thing. He ate me out so many times that I was like, I, I was flunking out of school. Like I'd be going to class and he would just start. I'm like, all right. <laughs> fucking, class. fucking cookie monster. Yeah. All right. Great song. Moving on. Why did you, what's the, what's, I want your answer for that. The, the craziest most ridiculous thing. Yeah. thing I've ever done for love. Oh, I mean, Honestly, like I, I was, I was telling Soder this. I had, I was dating a girl, and I felt, I thought I was dating her, but she was fucking me. Right? Do you know what I mean? Yeah. And like, cause I like this girl, and uh, I was telling Soder because I got, I got really fucking bamboozled, like for a few days where I was like thinking too much, and I wasn't thinking about anything else. And then I remembered when I used to DJ private parties back in two thousand and one. So I, I remember I. I was like about 21 years old and I'm DJing a party and this girl shows up to train to be a DJ because uh, we're you know it's a private party DJ company and they sent this girl and she was so hot. Now we're talking like bat mitzvah DJ. Yeah, I did bat bat and bar mitzvahs. Yes, this was just did. like this was just uh, it was actually uh, National Cathedral, which is like this really rich private school in cool. DC. It was like the high school dance. So she showed up and I was like killing it with like Nelly and Chameleon yes. there and all that shit and fucking. I remember like we hit it off. I get her number. And then the next day I picked her up and we went to like a little fair, like a little like amusement fair Cute. type thing. Yes. And then we went back to National Cathedral and because it's beautiful. It's a beautiful like uh, church. And we made out in the back and we, we hooked up. We did like eighth grade shit. And then the next day is before cell phones. I remember I tried to call her and I called her house phone and she didn't pick up. And then I probably called 48 more times mm -hmm. yeah. 48 yeah. and I, I just and then like I hung out with her like two days later and she basically just I mean in a sense ghosted me in person where we went to meet at this like pool hall and uh, she actually I was waiting at the bar and then I saw her come up with with another guy and she kissed that guy and then walked in and mm. then we played pool, but it was, and then another dude showed up, and then he started playing with her, and I was this just... This girl's a hoe. Yeah, I felt horrible. But I mean, also at the same time, man... For I've, each call you made to her house, she was fucking a dude. Yeah, probably. But I mean, dude, if she, I was thinking to myself, oh, she'll never find... I mean, I'm going to keep calling. This is 
But then you like think to yourself, like, fuck, did they have caller ID? And then that night, and this is this is what's the craziest thing I ever did, was I went home and raided my parents' liquor cabinet. I got really drunk and like got really emotional. And then I like put cigarettes out on my own. Oh my god, that's you can so see funny. Him still. I was never here. that emo. You can see it, see that? Yeah. Yeah. It's like, I mean, that's just You know, I was more closed off about I was always very like embarrassed to like show my my feelings ever yeah. since I was little. Like I remember one of the most uncomfortable moments of my life was I went with my dad to see Father of the Bride and the girl's name was Annie. And I was like, ew, he's like thinking mushy thoughts. I was very like, ew, like I didn't like that feeling. So I always would like I always broed down with dudes. I would never like I never wanted to be the crazy girl. I never like would ever reveal that. Yeah. And now I'm like, oh, the crazy girls are like doing good with dudes now. Yeah, I think listen, I think as we get older, like I I when I was younger, I it was when I didn't care about a girl and I could just when I was like a raver really. So I was just right. meeting five girls every Friday night, getting their numbers and just hooking up with them throughout the next week, then going to a rave the next Would Friday. you ever give them like would you be like, I want you to be my main girl and put a pacifier over their neck? <laughs> you here, you take my candy <laughs> necklace. Like, Honey, can I borrow your angel wings tonight? I'm really I'm... Where's the glitter, babe? <laughs> Ooh, I like that tube top. Let me borrow it. Oh uh, no, my my glow sticks out. <laughs> oh, honey, I got one for you. There Are you go. good at the liquid dance? Oh yeah, here, I'll show it to you. Like fucking. Oh my god, you have to teach it to me. I'll do it to you. It's fucking ridiculous. But when I was a raver, I used to I used to hook up with girls all the time. I just I was just it was for sex. But then when I wanted to, when I was like, oh, I think this girl's cool. I get along with her. I would just. Put it, I would in. I was very I would go all in too quickly and it would just scare them all. It's so funny because I I live an honest life. I'm an honest person. I don't have secrets. I I really like I my heart is fucking wide open. But you do, you do have to play a game in the beginning, and I fucking hate, I hate it. it man. I hate it. I don't want to do it. I hate it. Yeah, I, I couldn't agree with you more because I you, you have to like I'm and I keep thinking like I'll talk to people. I'm like, no, I'm gonna be like open and honest with this new guy or whatever. And then people are like, don't sit on your hands. Don't text back. I'm like, don't text back. Yeah, that's rude. I know. It's like why can't I just say, hey, let's hang out? Like why can't we just? It's like or why can't. You know, I, also I just, if I say I like you, I'm not like we're married. No, I'm like, it's just like I'm I just like crush can we hang? It's fun. You have a crush on you. A crush, that's cute. It feels, yeah. dude. There is like when you start to like somebody, there is a pep in your step. Dude, like I feel, life yeah. burns brighter. It just mm -hmm. does. I don't give a fuck, man. Like I do the last the last month, I was literally like, ba 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 dee da ba ski da do. Yeah. How you doing, homeless guy? Here's ten dollars. Only ten. Yeah, oh, I mean that's pretty good. <laughs> I mean that's pretty good. But that's the thing is that then when that starts to go away, or you realize that's not going in the way that you wanted it to, then you're just like miserable. And I and I was I was like literally. Or you're stressed, like what is that person thinking or whatever? Because they're doing their gameplay too, you know. Yeah. yeah, but that's but you start looking at yourself. Yeah, and, and then you're like, saying, oh, I shouldn't have done that, or I, I texted exactly. too much, or you know, I'll show I'll show like Whitney or something. She's like, there's too many texts for me. I'm like, there, it's equal. But that's that's you know I figured at, I figured at forty <laughs> we're gonna die alone. Yeah, we, I literally <laughs> I don't said have the personality in my to head. not die alone. But I have a twin brother, so I should die alone because I have, was with someone during birth. during birth. Yeah, yeah. so you're fine. All right, so the next song is Clock Strikes 10. Okay, uh, I want to skip this one because I didn't really feel anything other than this kind of sounded like a cross between Rock Around the Clock and Rip It Up by Lil Richard. Mm -hmm. Another rip, dude. Um, moving on to one of the hits off the record, Southern Girls. This song is just so catchy, uh, and there's a verse 
that is the star of this song. Play 118. This song's catchy. That's the only way I could say it. It's it's a perfect song, uh, in my opinion. This was the second single from the album, and the next song, uh, this and the next song, were written before the band did their first album, and it included it on a demo recording they made at Arden Studios in Memphis, very, very famous studio. Uh, although there's this obvious nod to the Beach Boys, California Girls, mm. this is actually about Southern Canadian women. Oh wow! Because they we they would they would tour up in Canada because they're from Illinois, so. I mean, Canada, dude, Montreal. I mean, the women in Montreal, gorgeous. I was in Toronto. Bitches, too. Like, their faces, they're so mad. It's the French. It's yeah, the, the French, French aspect. Hey, this is Mike Wiebe, and I'm the singer in a band called The Riverboat Gamblers. And I'm Zach Blair. I play guitar in a band called Rise Against. Mike and I also have a band called The Draculas, and we also have this great, amazing new podcast called Zach and Mike Make Three. Yeah, each week we're going to ask ourselves and we're going to ask our guests what three favorite things they are into at that moment or in their entire lives. And then we're either going to agree with them or we're going to make fun of them. And uh, you're going to listen to it and you're going to like it or we will make fun of you. How about that? I just flipped it on you, the person listening to this right now. But we're going to do it every week here on the Sound Talent Network. Once again, it's called Zach and Mike Make Three. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> They're, I mean, they really, it really is unbelievable how angry those people are. They're, it's, they, I think they're, 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 so they always say the French are, are, are like rude. I think the French Canadians yeah. amp it up even more. Well, I just was like, can one of you smile at me, you fucking cunts? Like, I was like, can I get one smile? Nope. Um, I also got a jaywalking ticket and the cop was so mean. Was he? I have pictures. There was a guy that just had a camera and I was like, take pictures. Cause I was talking so much shit. I was like, take pictures, dude. And he sent them to me because I was talk. I was like about to get arrested. I was like, "Fuck you, dude!" I was like, "You're not a real." I'm like, "This isn't real." <laughs> Canadian police guys aren't really gonna put like, me in time out. Yeah, what is this? Is that what you're gonna do? You're gonna tell me I've been really bad. So can I just say sorry and leave? All right, uh, we got two songs left. Come on, come on. Uh, didn't really. Once again, it's a, it's an okay song. You know, just play the chorus real quick. <laughs> This to me kind of sounds like Eight Days a Week by the Beatles. Oh, yeah. Do you hear that? Yeah. Yeah. And and all this is about is just making another plea. This whole album is them making pleas. Right. Please want me. Come with me. You know, come on. This you got nothing to lose. Us. You got nothing to lose. It's infectious. I'm not going to But also, lie. let's be real. We're crack. Yeah, we are crack. It's not a good idea. No. All right. And then the album closes on So Good to See You. Uh, a really good closer, in my opinion. Uh, Peter, play a little bit. <laughs> It's a good, it's, it's a good sweet. song. Uh, I don't know if you close the record with it. Well, it sounds like a hello, doesn't it? It, it, it sounds I, like, hey, it's good to see you. I'm excited to see you. I mean, it's not like it was good to see you. It does sound like an intro song. You're 100 percent right. But it was not a bad song. But you know, it's sweet. I feel like we both can relate to very specifically the song very recently. 
when uh, you're just like, I just want to let me just see you, dude. Yeah. I mean, th- that was that Miss? was the main reason, you know, I chose you to do this because I wanted to see you so bad. And I knew <laughs> that you would you'd be like, I, I think this this record speaks to me. It's like, all right, let's do so some desperate. Facts. <laughs> it's so desperate. It speaks to me. <laughs> let's do some facts and then get out of here. Um, ooh, the facts, the facts, the facts, but the facts, the facts. He's doing the little arm thing again. I did it. In 1998, Cheap Trick went into the studio with alt-rock producer Steve Albini, I love that name, Mm. to re-record this entire album to try and capture their more rocking live feel. Yeah, I I did hear that before. It was never officially completed or released, although you can find rough mixes online. Um, If you could redo any moment of your life, what would it be? I wouldn't redo a fucking thing. Really? Mm -mm. No regrets? I, I have no regrets. I'm so happy right now. I feel like... And that's like the work I've been trying to do on all of these traumatizing events where I'm like, I, if I be, if I'm being real with myself, I'm, I'm, I have to be grateful for them. I have to be grateful for the predators, all of the people, because it got me here. I like it's learned great, yeah. every, everything was a learning. I, I, every, everything was, is learning. And as long as I take the lessons, it's good. And, and I don't, honestly, that's why I can't smoke weed because I would say weed makes me doubt my Leo, which is like a really annoying LA way of saying <laughs> yeah. that I start to regret like every time I'm big or like I'm bright. And I think that's like a leftover thing from when, you know, cause I have a twin brother and stuff and I was bigger than him and stuff. So I was always trying to kind of dim myself for other people. And so that's not a regret. It's a pattern that I see in myself that I always try to not do. So weed for some reason really brings that out in me and makes me like panic about things I've said before. Yeah. No, I, I, one, I completely agree with you about weed. Um, and I completely agree. I mean, that 100% is that, is that all the mistakes that I used to thought made me like a bad person or, you know, made, made my life difficult or whatever. It's like, it got me to right here. Right. And right here is fucking great. And if you can forgive, because if you don't forgive your past and you don't forgive yourself or the people that did things to you, you're just taking them with you everywhere. Like yeah. I always think about my, my teacher that, that assaulted me. He was like a white guy with dreads, another one. And he, um, I always like imagine what, when I was still upset about this, I was like thinking about it every day. I was just like a victim of this thing that happened to me when I was 16. And so I'm like brushing my teeth and there's just like a dude with dreads behind me and I'm walking down the street. There's like in the reflection, there's like this guy, like why am I dragging this person? So I forgive understanding that like everyone that is born on this earth deserves to be here and is just as precious as anyone else. Even if their fucking malfunction ends up hurting other people, it doesn't excuse it, but it's, they still like, it's still just like something, something's off and they're a victim of that. You yeah. Know? Yeah. I, I couldn't agree with you more. I could not agree with you more. All right. The front cover of the album is a color photo of the gorgeous pop idols, Robin Zander and Tom Peterson sitting on motorcycles with the title in color on it. And the back has an upside down black and white photo of the more cartoony looking bunny Carlos, a oh. boy and Rick Nielsen sitting on mopeds with the words and in black and white. This distinction between the two halves of Cheap Trick was used for effect on future albums and images. Um, That's where they look like the Indigo Girls. Yeah, it's it's very Indigo Girly. Um, what side of you do you keep hidden? Do you keep anything hidden? No. I mean, I try to not be a side. Like, I try to not unleash my, like, you know, whenever I have, like, a heightened emotion. I always think about this. My dad always puts, around Easter, he gets... The, ch- the marshmallow peeps he loves them and he puts them in the microwave and they like get really big but if you don't if you don't eat them they shrink back down it's like I always try to not react or bring anyone into my situation when the peep is big hmm. because it's not 
it's not real. I have to always try to be very aware of when I'm overreacting or it's like triggering something from my childhood. So I try to keep, that's when I'm trying to like, that's like a time where I try to stay away from people because I just don't, you know, uh, Whitney Cummings gave me this advice. She goes, don't go to the, don't go to the problem for the solution. So I would like, if I was having like a spin about a guy or whatever, like going to him and being like, I'm spinning is crazy. So I like, you know, I try to like pull back. Yeah. All right. Uh, final, final fact. Uh, their first album did well in Japan, but In Color made them superstars. While on tour there in 1978, the band recorded two nights at Tokyo's Budokan Arena, and that double album, Cheap Trick at Budokan, became and remains their biggest selling album, and it's coming up on the list very, very soon. All right, so this is a two-part question. What was the greatest show you ever played? Hmm. The greatest show I ever played. Wow. They're all good. I don't know. They all are good. Even like bombing. I don't. Don't you ever just like bomb, and then like it hurts so bad, and then like I'll wake up in the morning and be like, "This job's so fun. Like that's crazy. Yeah. I just bombed. That's crazy. I just bombed so hard. I fucking killed with the same set the night before. Like it's just such an exciting. I would say we're we're this is an ocean job. Like I do this because I was thrown into the sea. It's like I like I live off of that. Like you're either in the being pulled under on top of a wave i would never survive on land i don't i can't have like nine to five know how much money i'm gonna make all that stuff like you need it rocky i choose that i choose it yeah and um but it's like what was my i mean recently i had a really fun i don't know there there's just been but i don't know i just all right well let's do this then what was the worst show you ever did everybody knows that uh i did um ship rocked with um with big j okerson the heavy metal cruise I bombed so hard. Nobody else bombed. It was me. I was like scared. I was literally scared of the audience for some reason. It was, I got really triggered after the election. It's very embarrassing. I got very like woman's marchy, which I do not feel anymore. I really think I was in like a, a haze and I was like in a cult or something. It was very weird, but I was like very scared of like white men, which is, I mean, now I'm like, embarrassed. I'm, I'm embarrassed by it, but, um, (laughs) I (laughs) humiliated by it. But I was like, I don't know. I just had like a weird attitude towards the audience and I just bombed so hard. But it's a it's a cruise. Oh, so you got to see so everybody I'm at seeing the buffet line. And nobody else bombed. Everyone else killed. Oh. So I'm just like, uh, but it's funny. Like to me, that's like the funniest outcome, right? Because I'm a comic. So it's like the pain is where the humor is. So to me, it's a better story. That's where I met Papa Roach. I love Papa Roach. Fuck yeah, dude. I fucking love Cut him so much. Cut my life into pieces. pieces. I've got those little resort. arms. That's my name. That's my name drop. I'm friends with the fucking drummer and Anthony, the new one. Who? He was like, C- C- Tony. What's his name? Not the, no, Tony. Cody or the other one? No, that like, guy. I met him. But Cayenne Pepper. What's his yeah. name? <laughs> I don't know. I don't. But all their names are. It's like Jacoby, Jacoby. Tobin. Jacoby's the lead singer. This is uh, Paprika, our DJ. But I'm not really cool. I mean, I didn't hang out with them because they have like had their whole families with them on the cruise. But I hung out with the other guys. It was just so fun. And then I got to see them. They actually like, changed my whole perspective on performing. How? Maybe that was my best show. Was after I saw them. Well, I never go to live music. Music has never been my thing. It's just I know that sounds psycho, but it's just no. This, I'm not I, musically I talented. I'm an, I I can draw and stuff. So I would you know do more of that type of stuff. And, um, you know, when I was just out, I didn't have, I didn't have time. I was like too busy, like try, running for my life. <laughs> help, call the cops. I'm 14. Help me. Why am I in Jersey City? Well, this drag queen's going to kill me. Um, but so I didn't really like have a musical thing. You know, I listened to nineties R and B and hip hop. I love DMX. Like, you know, you could put Mariah on any day, like any, you know, yeah. Monica, I'll fuck up. Oh, any of it. Boys to men. But, um, I just never had like a strong thing. So I never saw live music. So when Papa Roach was playing the Roxy, I was like, let me come. And they sent me a text back. Tony, the the drummer, was like, 
said something like, oh, we'll see or something. Something that I took very personally and was like, oh, Papa Rich doesn't like me. Yeah. And then I was like, they don't want me to go. But then he got me tickets and I just felt like I was having Kevin Barnett had just died. It was right before Brody died. And um, and so I was just I felt like insecure. And so I didn't uh, I didn't go to the show. And then he DM me afterwards. He was like, where were you? We were looking for you. And then I was like, oh, I'm an idiot. They're, I'm a comedian. So people are trying to be funny. So then I was like, oh, can I come tonight? So I went. And um, it was amazing. I just went by myself. I couldn't get anyone to go with me because people are losers. They don't understand anything. Everyone's like trying to be cool and be like, Papa Roach. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like it's a punchline or something. But they're good, dude. They've they been are, playing for years. Yeah. They're fucking good. They're, it's, they give an amazing live. It was so beautiful. It was so good. I was, felt like it was like a religious experience. Like it felt so good. And um, at one point, Jacoby goes, you know, LA, we love you. And he drew a heart with his fingers. And I was like, fuck, like. I go it. on stage and I'm like, fuck you. You raped me. You fucked my mom. Like you kick my dog. Like I would go on like with this like anger and like resentment and feel like they all hated me. And I realized like, oh my God, I'm like, I'm getting in my way because then he also goes the last time we were in, or the first time we came to LA was 20 years ago and all we got were no's. And, but the work starts at no. And I realized when I came to LA, all I've gotten was yeses. I say no, I get in the way. Nobody, I don't, I mean, sure. I haven't gotten everything I wanted, but it's, I could. Yeah. There's no, I, I've had a very, my, the trajectory of my career has been very beautiful. It's, it's going up. It's constantly and, moving. Yeah. yeah. And it's always been good. And I've always worked hard. And I've always done that, but I never, but I would like, they'd be like submit for this thing. And I'd be like, Oh, I'd be insecure. Oh no. And I realized nobody has time for your, your low self-esteem. Nobody wants it. Nobody wants you to go on stage and feel weird. They want to have a good time. They're there to have a good time. They want you to do it. Well. Yeah, like, they, oh. they, 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 they trust that you're going to be good. So just believe right. it. So yeah. then I left there, went to the comedy store. I was in the main room. My name was on the marquee, which is fucking awesome. And that was like a thing that I wasn't like allowing myself to have. You know, I wasn't allowing myself to feel good about that. So I go in and I have this new perspective. And I can't remember who brought me up. Maybe Tripoli or Ian Edwards or something. They go next to me and Andy Lemon, and I noticed that like maybe a quarter of the room were cheering extra loud and I went oh my god these people have been coming to see me and I didn't notice they know me like at this whole time I was like thinking I was like not the famous one so they don't care or whatever yeah. but they know who I am and then I got on stage and someone heckled or something I said don't heckle I'm from Philly I'll fuck you up and people were like we know and I was like I've been like I've had homies this whole time yeah and so like sometimes I don't really do it anymore but I would have to like if I'm getting negative I'll like draw a heart and people are probably like, what's going on with this bitch? But I don't tell them. I love that. But Papa Roach like flipped my shit. All right. Final thoughts on the record. I loved it. I'll listen to it again. Perfect. Perfect. It's perfect. It's great. There's some songs in it that suck balls a little bit, but it's camp. And I love camp. Annie, I love you. Thank you for I love coming you too. On, this was so fun. Thank, Thank you. you. Annie Letterman, everybody. Man, oh man, do I love her. Guys, go to AnnieLetterman.com for all things Annie. Find her on social media at Annie Letterman and go to her Instagram because she kills it on there. Very, very funny. Also, check out her podcast, Mean Spiration, anywhere you get your pods, but listen to it on Spotify. Also, guys, you can see Annie and myself December 12th, tomorrow night. At the Comedy Store, 8 p.m. I'm doing a shimmy shimmy ya. And then also, January 9th, Annie's going to be on Lights Out with David Spade. 
So be there or be square. Also, guys, December 27th through the 31st, I will be at the DC Improv with Adam Ray. Make sure if you're listening in that area, I see your asses there. I'm going to be posting Annie's Spotify mixtape. It's going to be Dougal as fuck. For all things 500, go to the500podcast.com and email us at 500podcast at gmail.com. And follow me on social media at Josh Adam Myers. Subscribe to the 500 on Spotify or your favorite platform, but listen on Spotify. And if you're doing it on Apple, which I don't know why, leave us a review. Review us. Come on, guys. Rate, review. We know you do. Now, we just listened to Cheap Trick from 1977. This week, our music director, the one and only bald as a motherfucking Matty Pinfield, weeded through a couple submissions from some Fleece Army artists who were influenced by Cheap Trick, and we chose Miss Ramona by Bad Magic. Bad Magic are a four-piece hailing from Vancouver, B.C., heavily influenced by Cheap Trick. Their music also draws inspiration from R&B, heavy metal, and the blues. Ben has completed recording their debut EP and released their first single, Miss Ramona, all of which are available now on the one and only Spotify. Check out the link on our website, the500podcast.com. And if you are in a band and you want to be just like Bad Magic, then send us your music because we'll put it on our website, guys. Just send us that track or a link to the track in an email to 500podcast at gmail.com and in the subject line put the album and the artist that influenced you and I swear we will play it. Next week is Devo Week with their 1978 album Are We Not Men? We Are Devo. So y'all got some homework to do because this album is ka-chunky. Do your homework. Listen on Spotify. Stay fleecy. What's up, everybody? I am Finn McKenty, host of the Punk Rock NBA podcast, part of the Sound Talent Media Podcast Network. My podcast is all about doing what you love for a living, and every week I sit down and talk to people who have done exactly that. For example, musicians like Tommy from Between the Buried Me, Matt from Periphery, Lil Lotus and Shinigami, among many others, photographers, artists, designers, YouTubers like Glenn Fricker and Sarah Dietschy, and I unpack exactly how they got to where they are today with the goal of helping you do the same. So if that sounds cool, you can listen and subscribe at soundtalentmedia.com and I'll see you there. One Hit Thunder is a podcast where we both celebrate and have a good laugh about bands and artists that had just one hit that we all know. Each week, we're joined by a guest from the world of music or comedy to learn more than you ever thought you would about some songs that you can't forget. And we decide if they brought the One Hit Thunder or nothing more than a one hit blunder. Look, if you listen to the show, you're probably going to laugh, and I guarantee you're going to crush next time the bar has music trivia. Tag Team, Jane Child, Meredith Brooks, Looking Glass, Sean Mullins, Eiffel 65, EMF, Crash Test Dummies, Crazy Town, Chumbawamba. We have hundreds of episodes in our back catalog and a new episode each week. So pass the duchy, make sure you're connected, and subscribe to One Hit Thunder wherever you get your pods. Next Chapter Podcasts.